0: This is the Truth and Power Podcast with Ryan Edberg. Today, I want to talk to you about your promised land. I believe that God has a promised land for each and every one of you, that God has a purpose and a destiny, someplace that He is trying to get you to. It's easy to read through the story of the Israelites, and your first inst- instinct of the story would be well, God had them wander in the desert for 40 years. It's true that that happened, but I don't believe that that was God's purpose at all. See, i was don't know about you but i couldn't tell um you where egypt on the map was compared to israel i didn't know how far apart that was but after doing some research did you know that it's only about 220 miles to 250 miles uh, from egypt into the promised land um it's not a very big distance and you can walk there in probably less than a week and so reading through some of this story you wonder God, why did you have them wander for, for 40 years? It's a question that I had. Like, Why didn't they just go into the promised land? They said in the, in the word that there's about 600,000 men that was leaving um, Egypt and headed to the promised land. Now, if you look at that with women and children, they say it's about 2 million people. Now, I had a picture Bible I had um, growing up, and it was incorrect (laughs) at looking at some of that it was incorrect in seeing that you know some of the miracles that they showed us were really uh small miracles and really you know the parting of the red sea looks like um you know just a a walkway or a sidewalk you know the when moses split open the rock and spoke to the rock and then he struck the rock and water came out and it fed people. you know. In, in my picture Bible, it was a trickle. But put all of the miracles of God um, for the Israelites into perspective, knowing that there's about two million people with cattle and livestock, with sheep, goats, whatever they had with them, taking uh, them. So think about this. Egypt from Israel, about 220 miles, 250 miles, um, and the caravan moving about 2 million people plus livestock, really Moses could have been entering into uh, the promised land while there were still people leaving Egypt. That's how big their group really was. Um, so you really got to ask, God, why do you have them wandering in the desert? What's going on here? And as we we think about that, you know, some of us, We've got our our own desert land. We've got our own wandering that we're doing. We've got um, this place that we feel like we're on this hamster wheel in life that you know God's brought us to this place and he's just testing us or, or walking us out. But I want to show you here um, about the promises of God. I want to show you the story of the Israelites because in Exodus 12 – Uh, 35 and 36 it says and now the children of israel had done according to the word of moses and they had asked the egyptians articles of silver articles of gold and of clothing and the lord had given the people favor in the sight of the egyptians so they granted them what they requested thus they plundered the egyptians so when you read the story of the israelites first off you you think well god's got them wandering in the desert But once you really start to look at it and what he had for them, God had a short distance walk for his people to leave out of Egypt, gave them silver, gold, and clothes. Everything you ever could need and headed them towards less than a week's way walk uh, with a land of milk and honey. So it was just flowing with milk and honey. That was God's promised land. That was what God had promised. The Israelites was setting them free, pulling them out of slavery and out of bondage and into their promised land. Now look at uh, some of the the first parts of the the 10 plagues and stuff. Put that into perspective again with the the people of God and, and 2 million people. Like whenever it was... Um, getting plagued in egypt it wasn 't in in israel they weren 't affected by the same stuff, and that 's god 's way today. His people are not affected or shouldn 't be by the world 's economy. You know when stuff happens around us it doesn 't have to affect us the same way it does everybody else um, but I was reading and seeing that God hardened pharaoh 's heart i 'm like, God, why? Why are you hardening Pharaoh's heart when your goal is to free the people? And now you do a plague, Pharaoh's going to release the people and you harden their heart. And looking at that, you see that God wasn't just trying to get his people free, but he was breaking a mindset that they had and trying to get them into faith by showing them miracle after miracle after miracle. So it shows them 10 miracles in Egypt. And the first thing that they say when they come out of Egypt is they come up to the Red Sea, and the Egyptians are coming again behind them, and they say, We should have stayed in Egypt. We should have died there. It would have been better for us. That was their mindset right away. And so God wasn't just trying to get his people free, he was trying to break slavery and poverty off of their minds. You see, as soon as they come up to the promised land, you can see that they still haven't been broken of that because they stand up there and um, God says, go in and take the land. Well, their first mistake is Moses sends in spies. Well, why are you sending in spies? First off, you're saying, I wanna see if we can do this, questioning whether what God had said is true or not. I mean, he stood with you in the past. He got you across the Red Sea. As soon as you were across the Red Sea, they started to complain again about no food. What, has God brought us out here to die? We're just here, you know, to die. We're going to starve out here. It'd be better for us to go back to Egypt. Uh, same thing again. And yet they go up into the promised land. And what happens is they say, well, let's send in spies to see if we can really take this land. And they come back with a bad report and what do they say they say we were grasshoppers in their sight they still have a very low um just how they see themselves is very low and they they looked at themselves as grasshoppers and so they never went in they never took the promised land when they should have and instead they're wandering the desert for 40 years trying to get rid of that poverty mentality of where God is trying to get them. Now for you, maybe there's something that you God has for you. Maybe there's a spot that God is trying to get you. Maybe he, there's a promised land that He he's called you in and you're wandering a desert and you think that God has you wandering it. Is it God that has you wandering or is it your lack of faith that has kept you out of the promise of God? you got to ask yourself that. The Egyptians, they went through and they started to complain about nothing to eat. Well, God provided for them manna, which is roughly translated, what is that? So they're eating, what is that? They have no clue what it is. It said it tastes of honey, and it was probably delicious. But I don't know if I can eat this magical bread for 40 years straight. I don't know about you, but your best food, whatever you love the most, I don't know if you could eat that for 40 years straight without wanting something different one of the days. But God brought them out there. He was providing manna. If they took too much, it says that those who gathered too much didn't have too much, that those who gathered too little did not have lack. This is magical bread that God had sent to them. You can read all through it in Exodus 16 all about the manna that God provided for them. Except for on the, last, the the Sabbath day, you could gather twice as much. If you gathered too much and you tried to keep it for the next day, it would rot, set it, it rotted, smelt, and uh, grew worms. And so, it, but on the Sabbath day, if you kept it, it wouldn't do that. So it's this magical bread that seems to know when the Sabbath is. And also, God told them through Moses to keep enough in a jar to show generations to generations, and that never got old either. So this magical bread of God providing and showing them obedience. It wasn't about too much, too little. It wasn't about any of that. It was about obedience and the faith of the people. And so God had them wandering for 40 years. And if you look at the story, Moses and the spies that he had sent in were really, they they said, no, we're grasshoppers. Two guys, Joshua and Caleb said, we can go in and we can take this. Now, 40 years later, when they come back and they enter into the promised land, who are the two guys that get to enter in from that group? Joshua and Caleb. And everybody else went in. God was showing his people that he was strong. And if it, they had faith, he would take them from the desert into the promised land. I love this story because God shows them not only did he have a place of milk and honey that was flowing in milk and honey, more than enough, plenty for them. But that even with their lack of faith out in the desert, God still provided for them. God is love. God loves us. And sometimes we think we're in this desert place or in a place of condemnation, but God is still providing for you. And I looked at this story and the Israelites and said, God, how come you show them 10 miracles in Egypt and the first thing that they do is they complain and they fear and they doubt. And then they get across and they say, they complain, they fear and they doubt again a lack of food. Every time they are in fear, they complain and they doubt. I said, why is that with your people? And he spoke to me and said that that is still my people today. And I got to thinking, how many times have we come up to a situation in life and said, God, where are you? I don't think you're going to get me through today. God, how can you get me through this situation? Have you brought me here to die? God, have you forsaken me? God, have you left me? We start to question if God's even with us, or why he left us. Now, we look in our past, and God has never let us down. We look in our past, and we've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. But we come up to this situation, and instead of saying, God was with me here, god was with me there so i don't know how i'm going to get through this but god will get with me get me through this situation here we start to fear and we turn into doubt and we we start to wonder god are you really with me because it doesn't look too good on this side and god is really looking for your faith to get you into that promised land. When you come up to a situation, you come up to a Red Sea, you come up to a desert place to say, this looks dark, but God has never let me down. And so I'm going to walk towards my promised land in faith for what God has for me. You see, the 40 years and the manna wasn't God's plan A. But he was willing to still provide for his people until they could get their mind right, their faith build up to get into the Promised Land. How did they keep building their faith? As they were wandering for 40 years, they had battle after battle, and God was with them. They were victorious, and they went from coming out of a place of slavery and nothing, of poverty, to God giving them everything, articles of gold, silver, and clothing, to turning them into an army that started to win and win and win till they came back to their Promised Land, and they were able to say, God fights our battles, and they were able to go into the promised land. That's the, the, the church that we need to be in. That's the generation. That's the state that God is looking for, for us to, to look and say, God has never let me down in the past. I don't know how I'm going to get through this situation. I don't know how I'm going to get through this family situation, this job situation, this work situation, this school situation – Whatever it is, I don't know how I'm going to get through it, but God will get me through it because he's never let me down. So I started to look at faith and it says many, many times in the, in the word about faith, it talks about the just shall live by faith, the just shall live by faith over and over again. And so reading through that, it was, you know, God, what are we supposed to do what are we supposed to get through in faith and i started to read um some of the scriptures uh, on faith and if you look in um romans 117 it says for in it the righteousness of god is revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith now i bring this up again because it says from faith to faith From mountaintop to mountaintop, from win to win. We're not supposed to have these mountaintop experiences and valleys and desert places and then back up to the mountaintops. That's not what God called us to do. He's called us to live from faith to faith and victory to victory. But when we press into God, we get our breakthrough and we get our victory. And then when the situation isn't as serious, we relax a little bit, we pull back, and then we find ourselves in a desert place. We say this a lot at the youth conferences that we do, Kingdom Youth Conference, that what you're feeling at the youth conference is a mountaintop experience. Kids leave energized, like they can take over the world. And within a few weeks, they're saying, well, I'm back to the way I was. Well, what happened? You went back to the way you were before. What happened is there's nothing special about the youth conference as much as us all coming together and worshiping and uh, the great messages and stuff like that. But it's really just separating yourself and spending time with God. And then you go back to normal. You're not spending your time with God. You find yourself going back to your old routine. It's really that time with God that takes you from faith to faith, from victory to victory, so that we can break through. So you look in your past and say, I have a track record with God now, and so I'm going to get into this promised land. Moving forward into Romans 10 and 17, it says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing of the word of God. So how does faith come? It's hearing the word of God. It's that spending time. You can't have faith if you're not spending time with God. You can't have faith in his promises if you don't know what his promise is. You can't stand on a promise of God if you've never heard a promise from God. So digging into the word, spending time with God, to hear God speak to you, to stand on those promises. One of my favorite Bible stories is Peter walking on the water. And if you read through that, Peter goes into... Um the boat, and then they see Jesus in the midst of a storm, and Peter calls out to Jesus and says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And so Peter was able to walk on water when Jesus said come. Now I think it's interesting because he couldn't have walked on water. We know that man can't walk on water, but when Jesus said come, then Peter was able to literally get out of the boat and stand on that promise. So Peter wasn't walking on water as much as he was walking on the word of God that said he could do it. And so he was able to come out and it said, you know, ye of little faith at the end of that. Why did you doubt when he began to sink and Jesus had to pull him up? Um that story is all Matthew 14, 22 through 32, if you want to look it up. But as Jesus looks at Peter and pulls him up and says "Ye have little faith and I was thinking God that's not little faith he stepped out of a boat onto the ocean in the middle of a storm the winds and the waves is probably raining and crashing on the side of the boat and uh, what are you talking about Ye have little faith well it wasn't the amount of faith that Jesus was talking about because we know through the word that even uh a mustard seed of faith can move a mountain. So what was he talking about? Uh, Jesus was talking about the duration of his faith because he said, ye have little faith, why did you doubt? And a double-minded man, how can he expect to receive anything from God? A double-minded man steps out in faith and then shrinks back. A double-minded man steps out of bondage and says we should head right back into it. A double minded man has said it'd be better to head back to Egypt than head towards our promised land and what God has for us. A, a double minded man would be praying for a, a breakthrough in their job or finances, but too afraid to actually take a new job. You want to stick up to what you have. You know God has some big things for us, a promised land, and if we're shrink back. And we're double-minded in what God has. We don't put our faith into it. It doesn't work. I want to read and end with this. Hebrews 11 and 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you look at that, faith is actually a substance, which is a matter or material. And faith is also the evidence of things not seen. What does this actually mean? I've read this verse hundreds of times, and the Lord spoke to me about this and said that people are getting um, hope and faith confused. And He said to me, Hope wishes for the best while faith creates. Faith creates. So hope wishes for the best while faith creates. Think about that for a moment. Sometimes we come forward and we're trying to get a miracle from God or we're trying to receive a healing or a breakthrough in our finances or salvation for a kid or we're just believing for this. And we come forth and we say a prayer and we don't receive it immediately. And so we we go back to our seats with our head down or we really feel like God's going to – and when it didn't happen the way that we thought it was going to – um. We go back and then that doubt comes in. And it going back to the double-minded man, how can he expect to receive anything? So faith is a substance. Faith is creating what you're hoping for. So don't stop. What happens if you stop production on what your faith is building? You go in there and you stop production early on your miracle and wonder why it's not going to come. We went through and you read the gifts um, that God gives to the body, the the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts um, that he gave to man. And um, in there, there's a gift of faith. There's a gift of miracles. There's a gift of healing. And I stopped right there and I thought, well, gift of healing and gift of miracles, why are those different? You see, people are getting that confused. They come forward asking and believing for a, a healing and their faith grabs onto that. And now your faith starts to produce and starts to create Your healing and you received a healing because Jesus paid for it 2,000 years ago. So now you're receiving what Jesus had done, but because it wasn't a miracle, you began to go back into doubt and stop production on your miracle. You stop production on your healing. You stop production on whatever it was that your faith is actually creating. What's the evidence of the things you haven't seen? Your faith. How do you know it's coming? Your faith. Because your faith is what's actually creating it. If you're going to go in and buy a brand new vehicle for a year that hasn't even come out yet, what is the – you give them your money. What's the evidence for you to – that's proof enough that you're going to pay for this vehicle before it's even there? You can go in there and you can see um, all of the machines putting your vehicle together, creating the parts and putting it together that you can make a down payment on this vehicle before you even get it. Because the evidence is that it is being created. The evidence of your miracle and your breakthrough and for you to get into your promised land should be your faith. But often we come forward, we believe God for a moment And he says, ye of little faith. It wasn't the amount of faith, but the duration of faith that we had to get us into our promised land, to get us to our breakthrough, to get us through our final destination of what God has for us. And we go back to the desert place and we wander for 40 years because our faith stopped production on what God had already done 2,000 years ago. It's easy to talk about salvation and if we were to say, God, you know, please die on a cross and and forgive me of my sins. Jesus, please die on a cross. Won't you please die on the cross? That would be ridiculous because he's already died on the cross. So salvation works when we put our faith in what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. The same where it says um, that by his stripes we were healed. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And sometimes it didn't happen in a miracle. It didn't happen the way that we saw on TV. It didn't happen the way that we thought it would. And so we stop production on what our faith had started to create. And we abort what was in the womb being birthed. And too often we need to move from faith to faith and we go from faith to mountaintop, to the valley, to the desert, to a mountaintop, and I've got faith, and then back down to the valley. And we wonder why our life is on this hamster wheel. And it's really your faith where you get extreme highs, extreme lows, instead of just putting your faith in the Word of God And that being the consistency, the evidence of what you're hoping for, the evidence of what you're believing for is the faith that is building your breakthrough and getting you out of the desert place and into your promised land. You have a track record with God. Look in your past and you can see that God has never let you down. He's not going to now. What may let you down is your faith and what you believe. So get your mind right. Spend time with God. Let's go from faith to faith and let's believe the word of God over anything else that we can see. To keep up with everything Ryan has going on, go to kingdomyouthconference.com or follow him at facebookcom Music.